Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of April 8th, 2021, including PlayStation's popular MLB The Show franchise is not only coming to Xbox, but Game Pass as well. E3 will be back this year, but different. Help me, I'm playing Nintendo Switch, and more. standard Xbox on fashion I need to begin this week's episode with a bit of a uh, a bit of a conundrum or a question I have to pose to you the audience um, as a result of a conversation that happened at work earlier this week late last week I don't remember but here, here's a lowdown okay you cool Xbox you cool Xbox gamers let me let you in on a little scenario so listen up okay so I'm at work the other day and one of my coworkers is inquiring about a tent i suppose i don't know maybe he's going camping or something he's he's just asking about a tent and he was uh he asked someone else in the office oh you know how much you think this kind of tent runs whatever and they're talking about prices of tents and camping and other outdoorsy things and I, i'm listening in and in typical jesse fashion i butt in where i where i wasn't prompted and i say something to i don't know, i don't even remember how i like where my tiny brain came up with this idea but i, I brought up a bounce house as an idea for a, a tent and I said, yeah, you know, a bounce house is probably a better idea for a tent than a regular tent because, and hear me out, a bounce house is a, yeah, it's a fun place. You know, you go in, it's kind of like tent like shaped and you bounce around. And it's a lot of fun. It's a thing, you know, you, you maybe rent one for a kid's birthday party or something like that. But that's not what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking, well, uh, yeah, they're fun to bounce around. But the reason why they're fun to bounce around is because they're so cushiony and, and full of air and everything like that. So I'm thinking, isn't a bounce house technically just a tent with a lot with like a really large base, you know, f- filled with air to make it fun for bouncing? And like, well, that must also be really comfortable for sleeping in as well, because I don't know, you know, it's like it's like sleeping on a an extended air mattress, you know, just extra air for extra cushiony, bouncy, soft, comfortable sleep. So I I posed this to my coworker. I said, you know, while you're on this search for tents, maybe, you know, just see, just look around, see how much a a bounce house would cost you and see how portable one of those suckers are. You know, if you deflate it and fold it up and put it in a trailer or in a truck or something like that, if you were to go camping, you know, I've, I've, I've never seen one get set up. I know they're quite large, but I assume you can get a smaller bounce house. So I, I want to put this out there to the audience. What do you think? Is a is a bounce house, you know, the, the item we typically see at wealthy children's birthday parties, would that be a suitable replacement for a tent, especially if, if the if the main feature of the tent that you're prioritizing, the, the number one thing you're looking out for is comfort, you know, for sleeping in. So I want to put that out there to you. What do you think? You know, I, I'm I'm thinking you get a bounce house. Obviously, it's shaped and kind of protected and built similarly to a tent. But, you know, you got that really comfortable, bouncy base to lay on. You just put a little pillow there. I think you're sleeping great. I don't care if you're in the middle of the wilderness. I don't care if it's winter, summer, whatever it is. I think if you're sleeping on a bounce house, you're probably having a pretty good night's rest. But that's just me. Let me know what you guys think about that. Now, before we jump into the regular show, I actually have something I want to address. And unfortunately, this is Xbox related. So we're gonna have to talk shop for a minute. But I, I want to mention something I've brought up on the show. And then something I've heard c- contrary to something I've said on the show many times before. And then just kind of see see what you guys think about this because there's no real concrete information. A- as is the case with a lot of things 
regarding Xbox these days, the way people like Phil Spencer and Aaron Greenberg talk about these kinds of subjects is so, it's so vague, it's so shrouded in like in mystery that it's like hard, really hard to tell what's actually going on here. And I think a lot of times it's, you know, I'm being really vague right now, but a Maybe I should work for Xbox. But anyway, I feel like a lot of times we see this with modern Xbox, which is just like, you know, someone high up says something really vague and ambiguous instead of just saying what's going on. And then the Xbox community gets really distracted and rips apart, you know, a narrative or or builds a narrative based on something that was never really like definitely said or concretely laid out to begin with. And I guess, okay, let me just jump into it. So Jez Corden, we, we cite him quite often because I use Windows, he, he works for Windows Central and I use Windows Central quite often as as a source for the stories we we discuss on the podcast. I'm a huge fan of Windows Central, uh, not just for their gaming news, but actually more specifically for their general Microsoft news. I've been a big fan of that website for a very long time and I, I love to support them and click on their articles and, and read from their site. You know, that's why I make an effort to use them on the show when I'm, when we're talking about the news. So I want to preface with that just to say, I like Jez. Jez is a really cool guy. I respect him. I appreciate his work and what he's contributed to the Xbox community. Um, but he tweeted out earlier this week and said, let me just read the tweet. He says, don't believe this idea being pushed around uh, by some that Xbox game pass isn't making money and it isn't sustainable. I know for a fact that this is simply untrue. Okay. I, I don't take issue with this. I just want to put this out there. So the reason why I first stopped and thought about this is because I have said on the show many times before, Game Pass is not profitable and they just keep dumping money into it and doing all this amazing shit and giving so much value. And at some point, the price is going to go up. Something's going to change because there's no way this is profitable. So that's why I want to bring this up is because I've said on this podcast many times before. Now, I'm not trying to insinuate in any way, shape or form that Jez Corden has ever listened to the show. He probably hasn't. Probably doesn't know what the fuck it is. That's fine. But what I'm saying is I definitely fall in line with the type of person he's bringing to light here by making this tweet to begin with. Um, I just want to bring up this. This made me stop and reflect a little bit on the fact that I've brought this up so many times on the show before. And you guys have never really held me accountable for this or, or, or argued with me on this, with the exception of one Mr. Lethal Migraine who has who has butted heads with me on this topic before. And it brought me to a point where I was like, you know what? I, I need to I need to sit down. Stop assuming based on, you know, what I've heard, because I've heard from other people, other podcasts, other websites, that Game Pass is not profitable, is not sustainable. So Jez is obviously referring to things he's heard in the media because I've heard these things as well. So I, I get that. But then again, it's like, OK, Jez, well, if it is profitable, if it is sustainable, if it is whatever it is you're countering, please explain, like, tell like you are an insider, you know, this shit, like you have sources, you know, information Please tell us what you know. I want to understand more about Game Pass because this is something I think that is so important to Xbox right now because everything that happens with Xbox right now is about Game Pass. It's about it's about Game Pass and it's about cloud gaming and a very very powerful box. These are these are the three pillars of Xbox right now. It's a very 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 powerful home console if you want to think about gaming in the traditional sense. And then it's about playing games anywhere and everywhere you want, which is cloud gaming, PC, etc. Anywhere where Game Pass exists. And then the third pillar is Game Pass itself, which is the subscription service where you have unlimited access to so many fucking cool games because Xbox likes to give you a lot of value, whatever. These are the three pillars of Xbox. And it's really hard to sit here and analyze and talk about the brand and, and all this shit in detail when one of the biggest 
you know, one of its three pillars, Game Pass, is so hard to understand, you know, the the ins and outs of because we don't know if it's profitable. We don't know if it's sustainable. None of this. And, you know, I mean, in other people like like uh, on Twitter, Benji Sales, I'm not sure. Some of you are probably familiar with him. He's pretty notable on YouTube and Twitter. Or I think he's on YouTube. I don't I've never watched him, but I, I followed him for many years on on Twitter at the very least. He even chimed in and, and seconded Jez Corden by saying, Yep, it's only going to become more sustainable with more time. Going on to say, when Microsoft can get 40 million plus subscribers, uh, they're already halfway there, you know, 20,000 Game Pass subscribers is what he's saying, the amount of monthly revenue coming in will be astronomical. So again, Benji Sales, I respect you. I've followed you for a long time. I enjoy, I enjoy your input and your feedback into this community. But again, it's like you guys, I defer to you guys because you know significantly more than I do. You have... You actually have sources, unlike me, so I, I defer to you. I be, I don't think you're sitting here and lying to the community. I don't think you're paid off by Xbox to try and make it seem like Game Pass is great and all light. Like I, I don't think that's the case. So I'm just asking, like, what the hell is the story then? Like, what what are we missing? Why do people believe it's not profitable when in fact it is? Like, tell us the story. And I, I just had to bring this up because I've said many times on the show before, Game Pass is not sustainable. Game Pass is not profitable. And here we are with, you know, just the opposite being stated. And I don't really know what to believe because there is no report that like this is these are the numbers or this is what's happening or this is Microsoft's plan. Now, listen, Microsoft is one of the ultimate most wealthy companies in the world. They are more they Microsoft has more money than most countries do. Microsoft has so much fucking money. Microsoft could pay uh, the mafia to kill uh, everyone that has ever bought an iPhone over a Windows phone and they'd still be super profitable and wealthy and you would never know that the hits came from them because they have that much fuck you money. Like Microsoft is just so incredibly wealthy that they can afford to have a service like Game Pass get you in the door with little incentives like try one month of Game Pass for $1 and do all these kinds of things like convert your current Xbox Live Gold subscription into Game Pass, you know, for basically fucking free. You know, it's like they can afford to be that company. They can afford to give you really high quality games for a $10 to $15 subscription service. They can afford to take all of their first party content and give it to you for free through Game Pass because they are Microsoft. They have that kind of money. Many, many, many companies in this world do not have that kind of money. You look at services like MoviePass that failed miserably. It's like they were a startup that did not have this money at all. You look at a company like Sony and you say, well, are they going to respond with a Game Pass service? Dude, Sony can't respond to Game Pass. Like that's always the question is like, how is Sony going to react to Game Pass on Xbox? It's like, you see like Sony responding to Game Pass sometimes by being like, well, we believe in the quality of our games and don't think we have to throw a large quantity of free content to get players to come here and stuff like that. It's like Sony, like I don't think people even understand. Sony has to have that response because they cannot afford to respond to Game Pass. That's how fucking rich a company like Microsoft is. So I get it. I get that Microsoft can dump endless resources into a program like this if like there's microsoft xbox these are these are companies brands run by people infinitely more intelligent than i will ever 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 be and i'm sure there is a massive plan for game pass where it, it maybe involves fucking five to ten years of investing in this program with the idea of it not being profitable until like fucking 2030 i don't know I, again, I'm, I'm like, I have no knowledge until someone with the inside knowledge reports and gives us the scoop. I will never truly know it is 
all conjecture from me until then. But I have to bring this up because I don't, you know, maybe the situation with Game Pass is they're actually making a decent profit, but they don't keep any of it. They actually just take everything they make from Game Pass and just dump it back into the program. And that's why, you know, today we'll get into the news. There's a bunch of awesome Game Pass news this week that probably involves Microsoft Microsoft spending a shit ton of money. And so... I, I don't know. Maybe it's that Game Pass would be a profitable subscription service if it weren't for the fact that they're taking everything they're getting from it and just reinvesting it and then some into the service. I don't know. Maybe it's actually profitable as is right now and I'm just stupid. I don't understand how money works. But it is just unfathomable to me to believe like, oh yeah, a game like Halo Infinite, which has just cost so many millions of dollars to develop because of how many years it's been in development, the delays from COVID, and just what a high ambitious project it is to begin with. It's like that is just one of many, 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 many titles you can just play on Game Pass for $10 to $15 a month. The fact that, you know, you think about like, it's one thing when Game Pass gets a third-party title to launch into Game Pass. It's like, well, yeah, Microsoft paid that publisher or whoever a lot of money to get that game into Game Pass. It's it's like that that happened, done, right? Or they pay month to month or whatever to have it in Game Pass, whatever. But you think about a game like the next Forza, Fable, the next Elder Scrolls, Halo, whatever it is that is a Microsoft-owned product, it's like they're not only missing out on you spending $60, $70 for these games because you have it on Game Pass, but they're also investing millions of dollars to have these projects built by teams of hundreds of people that they own, these studios, or not the people, but the studios, rather, they own, and, like, just the amount of development costs associated with these projects, and all, and, and then you just multiply it by the number of first-party studios they now own, and all the projects they're funding, plus all the third parties, and all this stuff, and you just add up the cost, and you're like, holy fucking shit, how is Game Pass profitable? So, again, it's not that I'm saying this person's right, this pro- person's wrong. It's that I don't fucking know. I can't fathom how it's profitable, and that's that's a shortcoming of my own. But it seems like there's a lot of people, you know, with really respectable track records who claim that it is either A, profitable or sustainable at the very least. And that's that's great. I just, I'm I'm waiting for the inside scoop. So I want to bring this up mostly just to hold myself accountable for something that, I've been saying for a long time that may or may not be true, but also to just say, like, understand anytime we have a story that relates to Game Pass and I try to analyze or give you my my opinion, my take on it, there's always that caveat of, like, everything is contingent on whether or not Game Pass is sustainable or profitable because, because the way they make their acquisitions, they make their deals, they make their moves is all dependent on what the game plan is for the platform. And if I don't know if this platform is profitable now or will be profitable in a million years or whatever the case is, it's hard for me to try to get in the heads of these executives and these and these deal makers and things and figure out why this happens or why this doesn't happen or why this thing did come to Game Pass or how they afford to make that move or whatever it is. It's really hard to analyze and add to these conversations when there's just so many question marks. And we're so used to like, like when I really look it up and try to find answers, there's other games media websites that just kind of do what I do and they just conjecture based on like what they think and feel and what makes sense, right? There's Reddit threads of people guessing and then there's people like holding quotes over everyone's heads like, oh, Aaron Greenberg one time said that, you know, oh, don't worry about us. We're Microsoft. We can aff- we can afford to do this. We're not going anywhere because of Game Pass. I wouldn't worry about it. You know, like Game Pass isn't going to kill Xbox. Game Pass isn't going to kill Microsoft. And it's like, okay, well, again, that that falls in that category of like, 
just vague, ambiguous Microsoft executive people just saying shit. It's like that doesn't tell us anything. That doesn't that doesn't mean Xbox. That doesn't mean Game Pass suddenly is or isn't, you know, a profitable service. So I don't know. I, I I'm not really coming to a. This isn't. I didn't bring this up to come to like a a specific talking point, but just to kind of bring up what a what a mess this kind of conversation around Game Pass is, and to say I'm not saying anyone here is right or wrong. I just don't fucking know. So let me know. I don't know. Let me know what you think. I'm sure many of you out there in the audience are significantly more intelligent than I am and have a lot more insight into these kinds of things just by way of understanding businesses more, understanding money more than I do or understanding money, money more than myself. So I don't know. Let me, let me know what you think or what you think, you know, or what you know. I don't, I don't know. It's a fuck you game pass. Why you gotta make Xbox so complicated? All right. That's that. Now we're going to go back into the part of the show where it's simple and we talk about the bouncy houses and the Taco Bell and everyone thinks I know about the Xbox again. So let's jump into our comments, shout outs, whatever from the audience. This is how we do Xbox on. We we sit here for an hour and we talk about non-Xbox related things based on your questions and feedback from previous episodes. And uh, if you if you don't understand why we do that or if you don't like that we do that on an Xbox news related podcast, then you can kindly go fuck yourself. So... Remember, head over to YouTube.com, search up Second Best Gaming. That's the channel. You can find the Xbox on playlist there. Click on the latest episode, leave a comment, say something really nice like Mountain Dew Voodoo was a delicious limited time flavor of soda. And I hope to see it return for the Halloween season of 2021. That's the kind of comment that will get you read on the air. Our first comment here comes from Mr. Dead Captain James, the OG commenter, the father of commenting, if you will, because as far as I'm concerned... Internet comments didn't exist until Xbox on hit the hit the scene. So Dead Captain James writes in and says, I finally have this is the update. Remember, Dead Captain James was suffering from the COVID-19. And now we have an update. Part two, where he says, I finally kind of have my taste back, and I made a special trip to Taco Bell last night just for you, Jesse. However, I ordered the only thing that my stomach can handle, and it was four spicy potato tacos. Alright, Dead Captain James, first of all, that's so sweet. More importantly, I just love this sentence of I ordered the only thing my stomach can handle, and then followed by four spicy potato tacos. <laughs> because, like, if someone's like, oh, man, I'm not feeling too well, my stomach can't handle anything too super serious, I gotta kind of order light, you're like, oh, okay, you're gonna get, like, fucking, I don't know, like, like a piece of bread, or, like, some soup, or, like, a, you know, like, a soup, something, something safe, like, bread, soup, salad, you know, something kind of easy, and not, maybe not too acidic, or something like that, and you're just like, four spicy tacos. <laughs> It just sounds like the exact, I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you how your body reacts to certain foods. That's, that's between you and your biological makeup. So listen, I'm happy your body can handle four spicy potato tacos from Taco Bell. That's uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's borderline a superpower, but I just think that that just, it sounds funny to just read off the tongue like that, but I'm glad to hear you're starting to feel better. Glad to hear you had some Taco Bell and uh, hopefully your body not only reacted well to it, but uh, hopefully having those spicy potato tacos gave your body the itch, gave you the itch to, to continue to go back for more because quite honestly, I'm pretty sure Taco Bell may be the natural cure to COVID. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying it is or isn't. All I'm saying is I haven't had COVID knock on wood and I have had Taco Bell many times since the COVID pandemic began. So not saying it's the cure, but not saying it isn't. Mr. Miggy jumps in and says, I have to add, I'm looking forward to playing Truck Racing Championship. Mr. Miggy, that's why we keep you around. It's because you got you got those good takes. 
So maybe Mr. Mickey and I will be the only two playing Truck Racing Championship from Xbox Games of Gold this month. But that's just because we got exceptional taste. Now, Flips Mad Max comes in and says, new Pepsi flavor, Pepsi Mango. Don't know how I feel about it. Flips, I've, I've seen this in stores. I know what you're talking about. I saw it at the Shopping Mart the other day. And I said, ooh, Pepsi Mango. And look, they even have it in a zero sugar variant. So considering my new diet, I can even partake. And I passed it up. I said no. We went with the Diet Dr. Pepper that day. But I did notice it. I noticed it was there. It was real. And keep in mind, remember, like, maybe two or three years ago, Pepsi started doing, like, seasonal spring-summertime variants. They had, like, a berry Pepsi, a lime Pepsi. I thought they had a mango Pepsi back then. Maybe they didn't. But this is kind of in line with that. So this isn't the first time we've seen something of that variety and I'm I'm happy to see it back. I think the idea of mango and cola could work quite well. So I I'm I'm not I'm not opposed to it. But update, you know, the other day I come home from work and my girlfriend did the grocery shopping this week. Thank God. I hate grocery shopping. I try to switch off as much as possible. But anyway, she did it this past week and she she picks up some soda because I put on the list like get some zero sugar soda because I'm on this diet and sometimes, you know, drinking like a zero calorie soda will help kind of suppress my appetite so I don't go over my calorie goal. And what what does my girlfriend do but goes to fucking Walmart or wherever the hell she went and buys mango Pepsi regular, just regular 180 calorie can mango Pepsi. And I'm like, what what the hell, man? It's like you just you just like, oh, you know, not only will I slap Jesse in the face by by getting, you know, a regular soda with calories, but I'll also choose the new interesting flavor so that he's tortured by the fact that he can't try it. So I'm not going to lie. I had a sip of her mango Pepsi the other night just to try it. It's not bad. It's not great. I don't need a 12 pack of it. You know, it's worth it's worth a 20 ounce personal bottle just to see what it's like and be done with it. But it's, uh, it's, it's not bad. My brother writes in, usually we push my brother's comments all the way to the bottom of the comment section, but you know, I've, I felt I felt bad about that, so let's put him up a little bit. He, he, uh, he, he has a two-parter here. He says, one, Days Gone is also on PlayStation Plus collection, so actually, if you have PS Plus, you already had it. So that's a cop-out. They gave players two games, not three. So let me... This, this requires some context. So last week I was complaining because we were going over the games with gold for April and I was saying, guys, games with gold suck so bad. For comparison's sake, here are the PS Plus games that PlayStation gamers are getting for free in April. And I was showing you how it was a significantly higher quality of first party titles, uh, including the new Oddworld Soulstorm game, which is a brand new PlayStation 5 exclusive game that you just get with PS Plus. So that's, that's what I where that came from but my brother writes in to say hey well game well days gone was on the ps plus collection so technically people have already had it for free i want to i just want to make this clarification playstation plus collection for those who don't know it's like 20 playstation 4 games that you just get for free for having a ps5 it's exclusive for people who bought the ps5 so if you have a ps4 you don't get the ps plus collection of all those free games so you didn't get days gone for free unless you have a PS5. And as we know, almost no one has a PS5 because they're impossible to get. They're sold out everywhere. Sony can't make them. Scalpers have them all. Like, no one has a PS5. So very few people got Days Gone for free from the PlayStation Plus collection. So not really a cop-out because there are far more people with PS4s that don't have PS5s who are now getting Days Gone for free versus people who have PS5s and whatever. Um, So just want to put that out there. Also, to kind of compound this, I don't know why I'm defending Sony so hard right now, but also to kind of compound this 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 point, remember a couple months ago, Games with Gold actually had a freak month where they had a really good lineup of games, and one of the games, arguably the best game in the lineup, or 
definitely the best game in the lineup, was Gears 5. It, came, it had Gears 5 in the Games with Gold lineup. Remember, Gears 5 has been on Game Pass forever, so you could say that was a cop-out because you could just get Gears 5 from Game Pass. Why do you need it with Games with Gold? So kind of, kind of a similar comment to make if you ask me, but whatever. Just want to put that out there. Also, you say Games with Gold is fun. It doesn't have to be AAA uh, each month. I, I kind of disagree, but also disagree because no, it doesn't have to be AAA every month, but it should be at least a notable title. It's always something obscure like Truck Racing Championship or like uh, Flower Hunter. And it's like just some stupid indie game where it's like, no one's ever heard of this. Like, why are we getting a knockoff of a knockoff of an indie game? It's like, come on, you should at least have something interesting. I'm, You know, it doesn't have to be the newest, greatest thing, but like give us something people have heard of before. And this month, the lineup is just incredibly weak. I think it's just very notably weak, and I just had to bring that up, but thank you for defending Xbox. You are clearly the true fan. I am a sham. Uh, next, Lethal Migraine says, Mixer didn't fail. Mixer was making quite a bit of money. Microsoft fixed... Microsoft failed Mixer by shutting it down for no reason at all. Lethal Migraine, the the emotive fan... The emotionally driven fanboy inside me wants to side with you and agree and go, yeah, 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 fuck you, Microsoft. You failed Mixer. You failed Windows Phone. You failed Zune. You failed Groove Music. All this shit. But let's, let's be honest. Mixer failed. Mixer fucking failed. You and I got into a little bit in the comments about this. L- listen, man. It doesn't matter if Mixer was profitable. It doesn't matter if Mixer had its dedicated audience and was being used. It doesn't matter the fact that Mixer, you know, in not just my opinion, but I think objectively, was a superior service to Twitch because it had lower latency, it introduced audience participation in the streams, it introduced things like leveling and just all these really cool, neat meta features that Mixer had first and then Twitch either eventually adopted or still to this day doesn't have. Mixer was better, I get it, but that doesn't matter. What matters is, did Mixer gain the audience? This is what I was saying about Discord last week, man. It's like Microsoft didn't buy Beam, turn it into Mixer and invest in it just to see it you know, be mildly successful and then shut it down because they're evil. Microsoft is a massive company that makes massive shitloads of money and they are looking for, they are looking for uh, new business ventures that are going to make massive amounts of money. Listen, if I am a small business owner and I, and I, me and some friends invest or get, get in this little investment pool and we start a little mixer service and mixer takes off and becomes as big as mixer was under Microsoft's reign. Me being a little small, nobody business owner would be thrilled with that. And I would put my all into mixer and try to grow it into what it could be and just be super happy with what I've accomplished and what we've built. Great. Microsoft is not like that. They're not looking for what is quite literally chump change. It is a waste of their resources. It is a waste of their time. It is a waste of their effort to be like, oh, well, Mixer is technically turning a profit, but it's like, okay, well, relative to fucking Office and Teams and Windows and Azure, it's like, how is Mixer doing? And of course, the they probably never expected Mixer to be as profitable as Windows, but they wanted Mixer to be profitable the way Amazon profits off Twitch, you know, they want it to be closer in competition to that sort of thing. Just like Windows Phone. Windows Phone, for the most part, through most of its lifespan, especially the early to mid years of Windows Phone, was actually profitable, especially when they had a lot of like low-end to mid-tier Windows phones that were being sold really well, like that sold really well internationally in in Europe and Asia and all all this shit in in South America. Windows Phone was profitable for the most part, but Microsoft backed up because, backed off of it and canceled it because 
it doesn't matter that it's profitable. They're looking to be like Android big. They're looking to be iPhone big. They're not looking to be a moderate success or like a small, a small but respectable success. So Mixer did fail. It failed by the metrics of being a company like Microsoft that is more wealthy than God and and failing to be another massive gold mine, you know, of a business for them. And so in that respect, Mixer failed. And that's what I was saying last week about Discord is the reason why they would spend so much on a brand like Discord isn't because they couldn't ever build something like what Discord has built. It's because Discord has the most valuable thing, which is the massive, massive audience. It has the brand recognition, the cachet. It has It is people's default place when they say video games, some kind of service for chatting and group talk and things like that and communication. People think Discord. They think Discord before anything else. And that is a very, very, very hard thing to build and create. And it's very, very valuable. And that's why something like Discord is worth so much money. And that's why something like Mixer failed. Because even if it was making some money, it wasn't lighting the world on fire. People weren't talking about it. When you said video game streaming, people thought Twitch. They didn't think Mixer. In fact, they thought Facebook before they thought Mixer. In fact, they thought fucking YouTube before they thought Mixer. Mixer was not even close to competing with the likes of Twitch, and that's why it failed. It's not about money. It's about mind share and market share. It's about having that audience, and I don't even know why we're talking about that that much, but Lethal Migraine, we'll get, we'll get back to you because you got something cool to say later. Joe Murphy jumps in and says, update on the Xbox headset. I got on the 18th of, I got one on the 18th of March. Been using it a lot, and I, I think that's great, but to be honest... They're my first gamer headset ever. Well, Joe, now you're just rubbing it in. You know I can't be happy for you until I have one. Why you gotta tell me that? No, all, all joking aside, I'm, I'm happy for you, man. I hope I hope your world's been cha- been changed. A recommendation: Go try some games that are better with headphones. Now that you you have your first pair of gamer headphones ever that you ever purchased, go try like a horror game or go try like Hellblade or fucking Resident Evil or something. These kinds of games are really accentuated with the uh, with the encapsulated with the with the closed off and isolated headphone experience. I do recommend it. Mr. Miggy jumping back in as if he didn't already get read on the air today says, I've got a big problem, Jesse, and I don't mean my soda addiction. B&O released an Xbox headset and I want it, even though it's $500. Also, I'm glad MLB The Show is coming to Game Pass. Ooh. Why are you beating us to the news? Because I was going to boycott it for being $70 on current gen. Well, Mr. Miggy... We'll jump into that later, but here's the thing, man. We talked about it very briefly, but yes, B&O, $500 Xbox headset, very, very premium headset, very premium brand. Listen, Mr. Miggy, here's the thing. It's your life. It's your money. If you have the money, if you have the means to do so, and it would make you happy and you would get enjoyment out of it, why the fuck not? You know, it's your life. Live it how you want to live it. If a $500 headset is going to bring you some joy and you think it's going to be worth it for you. In your situation, treat yourself, Mr. Miggy. After all, you're clearly a very next-gen, high-level Xbox fan because you listen to sophisticated podcasts such as this one, so why not have a sophisticated, high-end headset to go with it? Just saying. Now, OG Man Man says, Being a sports fan, especially baseball, and not playing since MLB 2K12 on the Xbox 360, are we not hyped for this announcement? And you're, of course, referring to the big news. Guys, Guys, you you getting so close to the news? Hold it in, hold it in your pants, you little you little splurgers. Hang hang on, we'll get there. But yes, very excited for this announcement. 
Stay tuned to the news. Now, YouTube censored this comment, so I want to I want to put this out there. Mojo commented in, I was basically a little brained ne- Neanderthal till I got a Series X and found the Xbox on podcasts. Now I'm looking like one of the aliens from Mars attacks. Also had a few zooms back in the day. And then it continues on, but I just got the notification, screenshotted it, and then went to the comment, and YouTube deleted it for some reason. So, Mojo, I want to let you know, appreciate you writing in, appreciate the comment, fuck you, Google, for censoring. God damn. God damn it. First they took Donald Trump off Twitter and now they're censoring Mojo from the Xbox on podcast. <laughs> but but no, I, I appreciate you writing in. I, I want to say, of course, of course you have a, a giant alien brain, a next-gen alien brain. Quite honestly, <laughs> your brain probably has a fucking ton of SSD storage and high-end NVMe RAM because, I mean, let's face it, you, uh, you're very slick if you're listening to the Xbox on podcast, but... Glad you're enjoying the show and glad you got your Xbox Series X. Mojo, stop getting yourself censored with all your controversial takes. But then but then Sam Torres comes in with a comment that didn't get him banned somehow and says, like it or not, Dollar Shave Club will be here eventually as an advertiser. With your trajectory, I'd say that you have another 13 months and then bam, Jesse's driving a Tesla. Bam, Jesse kicks ex-president out of golfing resort housing complex because he just bought it. And bam, Taco Bell is a menu item called the Grilled Burrito Jesse DeRosa. And bam, Phil pops the cap on Halo at E3 and F-bombs with Keanu Reeves on stage, maskless. And one last bam, Dollar Shave Club isn't really a German razor blade factory. The company is on the German-China border and that announcer is a fucking actor. Get paid so Lala can go to college. Wait. Did I say three months? All right, Sam, as usual, I probably butchered your comment, but I appreciate the energy and I appreciate the uh, creativity going into it. Listen, we're going to get we're going to get that cat to college, regardless of whether or not we monetize this podcast. So you mark my words, my cat will be college educated. So I do appreciate you looking out for her like that. But yeah, I mean, man, dude, it's like I'm not saying, you know, I'm hot shit and my show is successful and should be recognized as such. But, you know, if, if you're if you're Xbox if you're Tesla, if you're Taco Bell, if you're Pepsi Company, you know, maybe maybe throw your Xbox host a little bone here cuz you know, I'm not I'm not trying to talk your brand up, let's be honest, your product sells itself, but I'm also not hurting your brand either. I am I am quite a uh, connoisseur of the of the high-end gamer lifestyle including the, uh, the 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 Taco Bell diet and the interest in cool electric cars that 90% of people will never be able to afford. And let's just be honest. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> Sorry, but thank you, Sam. Joe Murphy jumps in and says, I would love to go to Taco Bell. I would love to go to a Taco Bell themed park. Random, who remembers dial-up internet? Joe, I, I remember dial-up internet and I'm not even I'm not even that old, man. I remember dial-up internet. It was, uh, the phone number is 888-624-4737. And you go, hello, internet? And you dial it up, internet. Internet is, I remember dial-up internet. Yeah, I don't know what to say that, Joe. I remember dial-up internet. Do you remember? You know what's actually scary is there's probably, there's probably actually people who don't remember. There are probably like young adults who just don't remember dial-up internet. I'm not old. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and try to yank your chain and be like, oh, I'm so old now. I'm 26. No, but that, uh, that, that does make me feel old. Just thinking about that possibility. My mother writes in and says, I think Microsoft is not cool because of Bill Gates. He's an old guy and I've never been able to figure him out. There's all kinds of ridiculous conspiracy theories about him, which are probably not true. But I also think he's kind of cool in that he never really cared if he was a babe or if he's a smart guy. And if he was creating something, he didn't want it to be anything that he wasn't. But that said, Bill is the kind of guy that you could call cool, and I think maybe Microsoft suffered because he left. 
Mom, I I appreciate the comment, and I think you're I think you're right that uh, Bill Gates is definitely not cool and uh, never was, and you're definitely right that there's a lot of weird conspiracy theories about him, and probably not true. Yeah, yeah, I I, I doubt the overwhelming majority of those conspiracy theories are are true. But that being said, politely and respectfully, Mother, I I gotta say. I don't think Microsoft is suffering because Bill Gates left. If anything, I think Microsoft's like brand and cool factor only kind of jumped up as we get to the 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 years of Bill Gates kind of sunsetting his time with Xbox or with a uh, with with Microsoft and getting away from the company because as you move out of the uh, out of the Bill Gates era and into the non-Bill Gates era as we'll say I guess Steve Ballmer was his successor and now we have Satya Nadella I think you get a significantly cooler Microsoft uh, in just in terms of like what you would consider like mainstream cool I mean obviously yes Xbox was introduced under the Bill Gates era but Bill Gates was not the not the visionary or the shepherd of the Xbox brand he believed in it and he did help bring it to market, but he was not, he was not the mind behind the Xbox. Let's just say that, uh, that was, that was Seamus Blackley as we all know. So I don't, I don't think Bill Gates has really like hurt the Microsoft. I has really hurt Microsoft by leaving it and making it less cool. If, if anything, I think what makes Microsoft, what makes Microsoft cool are brands like Xbox or brands like surface were brands like windows phone and Zune and things like that uh, to an extent. And pretty much all those projects had nothing to do with Bill Gates. Although you could, you could trace, you could trace things like Windows Phone back to the Bill Gates era with a, you know, Windows Mobile and everything like that back into the '90s. But we're not, we're not jumping into that. Okay, we're we're keeping it broad. I think at least the most successful aspects of Microsoft that have ever been deemed as cool are definitely Xbox and Surface. And Surface is the is the child of. Uh, Panos Panay, who is uh, quite honestly someone I pray to every night. He sounds like a god just by his Greek-sounding name or whatever he is, and and I love him. And Seamus Blackley is the mind behind the Xbox and has been made cooler in recent years from people like Phil Spencer. So not a Bill Gates-related thing, but but I don't know, maybe. I, I, I think Bill Gates... Bill Gates is almost like, you know, like, he's almost like an old-fashioned sense where it's like, he's not cool, he's not cool, he's not cool, enough time passes, boom, he's cool. You know, it's like, Bill Gates is so lame and nerdy and smart and kind of a little bit of an asshole, as he's famously known to be, that I think enough time has passed that I think some people look back at Bill Gates and think he's kind of like so uncool that he's kind of cool. So maybe maybe Bill Gates is a cool guy. I I don't know. Don't really care, but thank you for writing in with that. Uh, and then rounding out this week's episode, we got some Count Scottula who says, thank you, Joe, for confirming McPizza was good. It was a special pizza. Remember last week, Count Scottula introduced us to the McPizza, a menu item of a bygone era that McDonald's has never been able to recapture the magic of, apparently. Uh, but but Count Scottula continues on. Different from every other pizza there ever was. So, so I have had the brick oven pizza from the, quote, world's largest McDonald's in Orlando back in 2019. It was a beautiful evening, and yeah, my kids got Happy Meals that were super expensive, but it was a good experience. It was a good pizza, no complaints with it all, just not my childhood McPizza. And Jesse, you're right, though. All I'm looking for is the acknowledgement and a medium-sized shrine dedicated to the McPizza at every McDonald's location near the front door. I, I don't think that's too much to ask for, Count Skyla. 
you say, and then you continue on with a little side tangent because why not? You say, I'm getting goosebumps hearing you talk about the transformative experience at Rainforest Cafe. Good luck on your CompTIA A plus certification. Uh, I'm in a sort of similar boat this year trying to push forward on new paths. So there's not much time for games, but if I time everything perfectly, I'll have infinite time for Halo Infinite. Well, Count Skyla, I do appreciate your anecdote about your family traveling to Orlando and trying the world's largest world's largest McDonald's. But more importantly, I appreciate your uh, good wishes on my exam. I, I've been studying a lot this week, doing a lot of... Oddly, I've been very disciplined in not playing video games and studying for my IT certification. So that's been fun. But yes, Count Skyla, I actually have a similar mindset of, of you, is, which is if I just buckle down and work really hard now and make some sacrifices gaming-related today, I will have more time for fun later in the fall when we get inoculated with many... Because remember, not only is Halo Infinite the biggest deal in the world right now, because it just is, and fuck everything else, politics don't matter, video games matter, but more important than that, remember that because everything in the world of video games got delayed out of 2020 got delayed out of 2020 and is now being delayed out of like early to mid 2021. Keep in mind, this just means late 2021 into all of maybe even up to like 2023. It's just going to be a fucking massive wave of just games that were scheduled to come out at that respective time. Plus games that were delayed out of 2020 and 2021. So we are just going to get absolutely just crushed by a massive wave of new releases, big AAA games, lots and lots of games in the coming 12 to 24 months. So prepare for it. Not only is Halo Infinite uh, like a, a massive deal for this fall, but it's probably like the kickoff for this next year or two of tons and tons of games coming out. Because as we move out of this COVID era, as people start to vaccinate and things start to normalize a little bit, I think you're going to see a lot of these games start to kind of level out with development periods and timelines and things like that. And we're just going to get fucking flooded with new game releases. So it's going to be interesting to see, uh, to say the very least. And our one final last comment of the week, just because Lethal Migraine always has to have the final laugh. I just want to read this because I'm a little jealous. Lethal Migraine says it happened. Mountain Dew is one of the most disgusting sodas there is. However, I have found the one that doesn't taste like garbage. All right, Lethal Migraine, this better be good because you're already on my shit list. Went to my local gas station and in the fountain drink section, there was Mountain Dew Goji Citrus Berry. It's a victory for Mountain Dew. It's the first non-shitty flavor. Way to go, Mountain Dew. Okay, Lethal Migraine, don't shit on my brand. You know it's my brand. You know I love Mountain Dew the way a mother loves her child. You know the you know I love Mountain Dew the way that... I, I honestly don't know what else loves something as much as I love Mountain Dew. But you know I love Mountain Dew, so why, why you gotta be like that? But here's the thing. I'm a little jelly because I know of the Mountain Dew goji citrus strawberry flavor. I'm a follower of the Dew Discord. I'm a follower of the Dew Reddit. So yes, I'm familiar with these flavors. I don't have access to this flavor. It is not available here in the state of Florida. So number one, jelly. Because I've never had it. I've always wanted to try it. And I've heard great things about it. And now here you are confirming that it's great so the fact that you like it and you hate every other flavor tells me it's probably not a very mountain dew tasting mountain dew flavor but nonetheless i'm still intrigued and excited to one day hopefully get my hands on it uh that being said lethal migraine you're just incorrect listen if you want to sit here and tell me mountain dew is hit or miss some flavors are good some flavors are bad i'll take it but if you're gonna sit here and tell me every single flavor of mountain dew in the history of the soda brand has been shit except for citrus strawberry I'm going to tell you, you're full of shit, because here's the deal, man. You ain't never had a whiteout. I'm willing to put money on it, Lethal Migraine. You've never had a Mountain Dew whiteout. Comment in. Let me know. Have you ever had Mountain Dew whiteout? I doubt it. Fuck you. You haven't had whiteout. 
It's so good. You can't hate Mountain Dew Whiteout. It's just, I, I think where you live, you might even have access to it. So go, go, go find it. Try it. Le- lethal Migraine, please. Why, why must you be so cruel? And that's going to do it for all of our comments, shoutouts, and whatnot from this week. Remember, for next week, guys, don't be shy. Reply. Next, we're going to jump into what I've been playing. But before I can tell you about what I've been playing, I mean, how could I tell you about what I've been playing without telling you what I've been eating? Guys, I'm really excited about this week. It's been a, it's been a while since I've had a a true, like, you know, it's it hasn't been too long since I've had, like, oh, that, that was good food. No, I, that happens all the time because I'm a fat ass. But it, it, it truly has been a long time since, like, I've eaten something new and gone, I honestly cannot wait to tell the world about this. And, and maybe you can make the argument for 3D Doritos from a few weeks back. Maybe. But this is something that's so closely related to something that's so, um, so important to me that it just further extends my excitement about this beyond just the fact that the food itself was good. So let me stop speaking in vague terms and tell you about what's going on. About two years ago, the Walt Disney Company targeted me and they said, what's the one thing Jesse loves more than anything? And they looked far and wide. They looked at my family. They looked at video game preferences. They looked at where I'd love to live, what I would like to do for a career. They just looked at anything that can really make a human a happy or unhappy person. And they really, and to their credit, they really zeroed in in the one thing that matters the most, and it is pizza. And they said, it looks like Jesse's favorite pizza in the entire world is the Disney pizza. And I've talked about the Disney pizza on the podcast many times before, and we won't get too into it, but basically, you know, the Disney Resort Hotels at Walt Disney World all sell this $15 large family size pepperoni pizza. It is very much a frozen pizza, but... It, there's nothing better than like when you're on a Disney vacation, coming back to your Disney resort hotel you're staying at after a very long day in the parks, being very exhausted, going down to like the resort food court or something like that. And just being like, hey, I'll take one of those $15 pepperoni pizzas. You wait there, they heat it up, they get ready for you. They put it in a nice pizza box that has Mickey Mouse on the front. And you, you walk back to your room, you sit down after an exhausting 14 hour day inside a theme park in the Florida sun. And you, you eat that Disney pizza. And it was literally all my happiest memories in all my life involve eating that pizza. But two years ago, Disney, uh, in an effort to ruin my life, targeted me and found that that was the thing that makes me the happiest in life. So what did they do? They got rid of it. And guys, I could, I can go on forever. I I did. I honestly, God, I'm not even joking. I know this is going to sound sarcastic. I did investigative journalism work on what happened to that pizza. I'm not even kidding. I talked to the corporate chef of Disney Resort Hotels and asked him about what happened to it. I used to work for a Disney website, but they didn't even want that story when I when I got that information. I, I told them about it and they actually didn't want to run that story. That was literally for me and my closure, nothing else. So why am I bringing this up? Well, I'm bringing this up because ever since that pizza went away, I've been just walking around this earth aimlessly with a massive hole where my heart should be trying to find out what you do when you don't have your Disney pizza. Sure, there are other great pizzas. There's the Giovanni's down the road. Back home in Atlanta, we got the pepperonis pizza. You know, there's still like your, um, your, you know, pizza's pizza. It's always sufficient, right? You can always get Domino's or the local New York place that's not that great but claims it's real New York pizza and just try to satiate your need for for the za. But it's, I've never found the successor for the Disney pizza. And I still haven't, to be fair, but this week I found something that's close. So you may remember the other week I said I was going back to Universal Studios. I was pretty excited. It's been a while since I've been to the Universal Orlando Resort here in Orlando, Florida, whatever. So on Friday night, my girlfriend and I go down to Universal and we don't go to the theme park. We actually go to one of the resort hotels called the Cabana Bay, which is a really, really fun, kitschy, like family resort. Um, that's all themed. It's like, you know, like, uh, 
1950s Americana, like, uh, like, you know, like car culture and surfing and just kind of like, uh, black and white TV and just kind of like old school Americana culture, whatever. It's a really fun, kitschy resort. It's really cool. They have an awesome bowling alley. I want to check out. Why am I telling you that? Anyway, we go down to their food court and my girlfriend's like, now let's try it out. We, we never really eat universal food. We know obviously Disney's kind of famous for actually having good restaurants, whatever. Let's, let's, let's see what the experience is like here. So we go to the food court at the universal Cabana Bay resort, which is already a nice resort. I'm already loving it. It looks cool. It's fun. Why the fuck are we hiding at a hotel when we live here? I don't know. Don't ask. But we go to the food court and I say, okay, they have pizza. They have their resort pizza. Let's give it a try. So we go up to the counter. We order the pizza. I'm expecting nothing. Pleasantly surprised that it looks decent, but I'm expecting nothing. We go and we check out, blah, blah, blah. We go find a table. We sit down. I'm like, all right, here it is. Here's Universal's, you know, equivalency, I guess, of like a Disney pizza, whatever. I expect nothing. I expect to bite in and feel dead inside. I bite into this pizza and guys, it's like I said, it's, it is no true replacement for the Disney pizza. Nothing will ever truly replace Disney pizza. It is my, it is my one true love, but I cannot, I cannot sing enough good praises about this pizza. Universal went above and beyond. They went and knocked it out of the park. This is the best alternative I've ever had. This is the closest thing to it doesn't taste like a disney pizza but it is the closest thing to replicating that objectively shitty frozen pizza that surprisingly hits the spot and tastes really good and would probably be super ideal to take back to your hotel room after a long day in the theme parks kind of thing it 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 nails that thing really really well and it's it's a great pizza and my girlfriend agreed it was delicious we 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 ate it it was good it's inside me it's probably no longer inside me because it's been about a week but guys this is uh it's been a transformative experience and you know, i've said many times in the past when it comes to the theme parks i love them all but disney's the one that's the most special to me and you know when i have free time to go to the parks nine out of ten times i'll go to disney because i just love it there so much but because i've had the Cabana Bay Resort pepperoni pizza because I've had it because I've been to the Universal Resort in Orlando and I've and I know what their pizza program is all about. I don't know that I'll ever I, I don't I don't know that I'll be able to continue to go to Disney as frequently as I normally do because now there's this there's this carrot hanging from a stick, you know, there's that dangling carrot saying, "Yeah, you go you can go to Disney like you normally do or you could go to Universal and get the pizza." And that's enticing. How are you going to say no to pizza? So it's a long one, but I just had to indulge in this conversation because I indulged in the za and I had to, I let you know, guys, if we're talking about a great place to take the family, a great way to have a great vacation, I'm going to recommend you scoop the family up. You put them in the minivan, you put them on an airplane, whatever you're comfortable with. And you go down to the universal Orlando resort, St- book a hotel, book a room at the Cabana Bay resort. Do it. You'll thank me later. You'll be glad you did. And get down, get on down to their food court and try that. Try that pizza. Because, I don't know, it just, it, it tastes like Xbox to me. But anyway, that's what I've been eating, guys. Super excited about that. Planning on going back pretty soon and eating another slice there. It was just that good. Uh, but I think, I might as well just talk about what I've been playing now. Because, I mean, <laughs> how do you follow up a, con- how do you, how do you follow up a topic like that, right? You don't. So what have I been playing? Guys, you know, I like I said last week, I'm going to, I'm kind of taking a step back from the gaming a little bit. I'm trying to get my IT certification. So I'm trying to spend more and more time studying and working on that. And when I do play games, try to play more of like jump in, jump out, kind of like light multiplayer stuff, because I just don't have the time to invest in a really big, serious game right now. So 
And I'm kind of bummed out because I had this past Friday off work because I actually have too many vacation days that are going to expire soon. So I just cashed one in because I was like, oh, Outriders is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that game. So I, I requested that like a month or a month or two ago. And Friday came around and I was like, you know what? I know Outriders came out today. I have no interest in playing it. So I forced myself to play like an hour of it. And I, I agree with what I said before. That game's great. It holds up well. It's really fun. I know that one day it's just going to bite me in the ass. I'm going to... I know one day it's just going to bite me and I'll just have the itch to play Outriders and I'll go nuts on it. But for right now, I, I'm just kind of like, eh, not really feeling it, unfortunately, even though it finally came out. So that, that kind of sucks, but I'll get around to it for sure. So yeah, I mean, I, I spent a lot of the weekend just trying to study, just trying to catch up on some work. But when I did have free time, I dabbled in a little bit of Mario Galaxy on my Nintendo Switch, played a little bit of that. Uh, I've just been, you know, now that PlayStation's announced they're getting rid of the PlayStation Vita storefront, I'm like, well, now I need a new dedicated handheld gaming thing to play all my obscure Japanese games because PlayStation Vita is going to be unsupported pretty soon. There's not going to be a way to get on the store and buy new games, so I don't know what to do. So I'm like, okay, I sit here on the show and shit talk Nintendo all day. Let's let's give the Switch a try. You know, I, ha I I never really go on my Switch on the eShop and like really explore what all is there anymore. I'm like, let's do this. And I'm just looking around I'm like, you know what? In Nintendo's defense, the Nintendo Switch has really become a premier console. And I guess in a way, Nintendo's really been this for a very long time anyway. But Nintendo Switch is really the premier place if you're looking for a gaming device that just has a lot of weird Japanese shit. And for some reason, like I like portable gaming being that because that's what I did with my PlayStation Vita so much. So I'm like, you know what? Let's fucking try and make it happen. So I downloaded some stuff on my on my Nintendo Switch. Played Honestly, I played more Switch the past few days than I have maybe in the past year. I played just a decent amount of Switch, you know, a little bit every night before bed and things like that while I'm laying on the couch watching TV, just kind of an unwinding thing. And yeah, I, I downloaded Ease, or, Ease Origins, spelled Y-S, Ease Origins. It's kind of like a Japanese, like, um, action action hacky slashy dungeon crawler type game it's 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 fun it's a uh, the story is really boring characters are really boring and the world doesn't grab me that much but the gameplay is pretty good so might stick with that I don't really know um and then i downloaded the monster hunter rise demo um and man it, it's weird because I, I i skipped monster hunter when they did monster hunter world on xbox and playstation and that's like the one that made that franchise popular in the west you know a franchise has always been big in the east but that Monster Hunter World on Xbox and PlayStation really made that franchise finally a thing here in 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 the West, and I totally skipped that game because when it came out, I was just like, I've played so much Monster Hunter on 3DS and on Wii U, I just I don't care anymore. But um, I don't know, I just there's something about Monster Hunter in Nintendo Portables that just feels so right to me. So I downloaded the demo for Monster Hunter Rise, which is the brand new Monster Hunter game. I played it for about an hour. And I was like, you know what? I don't think I'd spend $60 on this because I just cannot dedicate the time to it right now. But I remember how much time I used to pour into like Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate and Monster Hunter 4 and shit like that. Like, this is fun. This is, it, it reminded me how much I used to really enjoy Monster Hunter. But again, I just, that game's too much of a time sink and I don't even have time for the games I already knew I wanted to play, let alone time to add. Some, you know, if I, if I had time to invest in like a big Japanese game right now, I'm going to go play more Yakuza. I'm not going to do Monster Hunter. So it was fun, but no. And then the big one I've been playing has been Tokyo School Life, which is a um, a visual novel. It's an anime visual novel. I've always wanted to try one of these out, so I was like, fuck it, we're doing it. And I gotta be honest, guys, 
it's a little more dating sim than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be more like like a like a cool story, but it's a, it, it teeters a little bit on the on the edge of like you know like kind of creepy weeby dating sim shit. But I'm not gonna lie, I'm enjoying the hell out of this game. It's kind of hitting the spot. It's nice to just you know read 20 minutes of this before bed and just kind of be like okay, you know and and just so you know, yes, my girlfriend knows I'm playing this game, but it's 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 creepy. It's like you're like this foreign exchange student and you like meet all these cute Japanese girls and and you can try to date one of them and all this shit. And one of them turns out to be like a massive pop star and all this crap. And you're like juggling your social life and your home life and all this crap. And you're like a, you know, like presumably like an American or something in a, in, in Japan, just trying to assimilate. And it's, it's a little, it's a little weeby. It's a little weird. It's a little creepy. And I think uh, fetishizing the culture, so to speak, which is funny because the game is Japanese developed. So I guess that kind of negates that statement. But anyway, it's, it's weird. It's, it's one of those games where it's like, okay, it's not like a porno or anything, but I definitely got to let my girlfriend know I'm playing this game just because I feel like that might make her uncomfortable. She's like, what the fuck are you, what, what is, why is there so much grunting and weird, like, like Japanese noise coming from your, your switch right now? So she knows, she knows I'm trying to, I'm trying to court this girl Kieran right now and I'm trying to see if she'll if she'll be my friend but she doesn't seem to like me very much so that's Tokyo school life guys I know I've turned into a total fucking weave this past weekend please do feel free to throw virtual tomatoes in the comment section uh, I, I probably deserve it but that's just what I'm feeling this week uh, when I'm not working on my coding homework aside from that I'll be honest all of that time spent with all those games probably totals up to like four hours of gaming this past week I really haven't played a lot of games it's like maybe four hours worth of game time I've spent uh, really, what I've been doing in my free time when when my brain is turned to mush from all the studying and working and waking up early and commuting and everything, really what I've been doing is just actually watching a surprising amount of TV because I, I don't watch a lot of TV. TV is usually something I keep in the background as noise, but I, uh, I, I got a one-month subscription to HBO Max because I wanted to see that Godzilla vs. King Kong movie. I was like, okay, whatever. I'll do a month of HBO Max. I'll watch Godzilla. I'll watch Justice League, the Snyder Cut, all this stuff. I kind of am interested in it anyway. Uh, and then I'll and then I'll cancel my subscription. But I gotta be honest, man. This weekend I watched. I never seen Batman vs Superman or Justice League. So I watched the extended cut of Batman vs Superman. I watched the Snyder Cut of Justice League. I watched Godzilla vs Kong. And I'm like, you know what, dude? HBO Max, and I'm building out my my watch list right now. HBO Max, as much as I hate to admit this, is really good. It's got a solid lineup, and I, I I'm not gonna let myself continue the subscription because I I'm I'm tired of subscription services. There are too many of them. You know, I'm I'm happy with just Hulu and Disney Plus. That's all I need. But fuck, HBO Max is really good. So want to put that out there. Uh, Godzilla versus King Kong. I feel like it was a little for for a dumb action movie. I feel like it should have had a little bit more action. Like, I, I like the little girl and King Kong narrative thing. That was really cute. And I like the action scenes a lot. And the movie looks good and it's fun. The other narrative, the, the Godzilla narrative with the kids and the engineer guy, it felt a little too, like, Stranger Things knockoff for me. And I just don't care about it. It just, it wasn't that fun. But I will say that that movie is pretty, it's pretty fun. And then as, as for the DC movies, I know this is what I've been playing, but fuck you. I've been watching TV, so let me have it. I gotta say, man, I've, I spent the past five years of my life listening to people just shit on these DC movies and talk shit about 
Batman vs. Superman, how all these movies suck for so long. And now that I finally watched them, I gotta be honest. Again, I've only seen the extended cuts, which are considered the better versions, but I think Batman vs. Superman is a way better movie than people give it credit for. I I actually like that movie, especially like I think especially like the third act is is particularly strong. I I really enjoy that movie. So maybe I'm just crazy here, but as someone who like usually doesn't even give a shit about DC heroes because I think Superman is an incredibly boring character. I think Zack Zack Snyder's portrayal of Superman from both Man of Steel and from Batman vs Superman I think is an makes him makes an otherwise really lame character a pretty compelling uh, and interesting character. I, I don't know. I, I, I enjoy that movie quite a bit. Justice League, on the other hand, I think that movie's a lot worse. That movie's really fucking full. I can't believe I watched four hours of Justice League. I got to be honest with you. Uh, again, I think the, the third act is the strongest part, or that movie is more like a six or seven part, seven act movie. But the, the, the last part's a little better, but god damn, is that movie, like, hacked full of shit I don't care about. Like, I don't care about mermaid people. I don't care about gladiator, Spartan people. I don't care about any of that. I just care about Batman and Superman and maybe a little bit The Flash. I feel like Cyborg's a little, he's just a little stale and boring. I wish he had more depth to him. Flash isn't even all that good. I just think he's potentially an interesting character. I don't fucking, why am I even telling you this? Batman vs. Superman was good. Godzilla vs. King Kong was good. That's all you need to know. Guys, that's what I've been playing. That's what I've been watching. That's what I've been eating. You know everything I've been consuming. I'm, I'm a consumer, and those are the goods I've been consuming. And with that said, I think we should probably, you know, nice hour and five minutes in. Let's talk about some Xbox news. Insert ad here. Okay, our first story this week, as we've teased before in the comments earlier in the episode, from Windows Central, as we'll read it, says that... It was no doubt a shocking announcement when it was revealed that MLB The Show would be coming to other platforms in 2019. This marked the first time in the franchise's history that it would be released outside of the PlayStation platform, which was exciting for many baseball fans. However, with a brand new announcement today, Xbox players will have even more reason to be excited when MLB The Show 21 launches on April 20th. An official blog post from Xbox Wire, it was revealed that MLB The Show 21 will officially be coming to Xbox Game Pass. Not only is the game coming to the service, but it is also launching day and date on Game Pass. MLB The Show 21 will be playable on Series X, Series S, Xbox One, and playable on Android and tablets via Xbox Cloud Gaming. The game features cross-progression and cross-platform play, making MLB The Show 21 incredibly accessible to both new fans and seasoned veterans, blah, blah, blah. In addition to this announcement, GamesIndustry.biz reports the following. MLB The Show 21 is coming to Xbox Game Pass due to a a request from the license holder, Sony has said. The baseball game is made by Sony's San Diego studio, as many already know, and has been exclusive to the PlayStation platform for over 15 years. However, in 2019, the license was up for renewal and MLB requested the game is released on more and the MLB requested the game be released on more than one platform in an effort to widen the franchise's reach. More than that, the game also appears to be on Game Pass, a decision that was down to MLB, not Sony, not Microsoft. Sony responded on the situation saying, quote, as part of the goal for this year's game, MLB decided to bring the franchise to more players and baseball fans. The decision provides a unique opportunity to further the established baseball, the MLB The Show, as a premier brand for baseball video games. Not that there are many others. <laughs> End quote. Uh, it's uh, it's not common to see PlayStation first party. It's not common that we see PlayStation first party games appear on plat 
on other platforms, but this tact has been successful in the past for its rivals. Microsoft's Minecraft, for instance, is one of the most popular third-party games of all time, and it's on Nintendo Switch. How do you like that? I, I read this story with more enthusiasm than regularly. regularly. You, like, you like that? You like that? Anyway. So this was the biggest bombshell news, and I think it kind of hit like a day after the podcast went live last week. Oh, well. Anyway, I feel like my thunder's been kind of stolen because when this story first happened late last week, my initial reaction was there's no fucking way in hell. Microsoft couldn't give Sony enough money to get this game into Game Pass. This is 100% at the hand of the MLB. No way in hell. Sony would have allowed this otherwise, and lo and behold, that's pretty much exactly what we're seeing here, which is, you know, as reported by GamesIndustry.biz, who are a pretty reliable source, saying that basically, and this is the weirder thing, because at first I kind of thought maybe it was like Microsoft was kind of pushing it, they were like, oh hey, um, MLB, since you're kind of in charge of the license here, like, would you be willing to get this game on uh, Game Pass? Like, what would it, what would it take for us to like twist your arm to twist Sony's? You know, and that's kind of what I first thought. But according to the story, it's basically as clear as MLB looked at Xbox and said they got this Game Pass service. We want the game on this service, dude. Here's the thing. Like, the funny thing is, like, when this story first broke two years ago about MLB the Show coming to platforms other than PlayStation, it was pretty obvious from the start. Everyone's like, okay, MLB is like, hey, your contract's renewing or it's coming up for renewal. We want this on other platforms. Do it or we'll take the we'll take the franchise somewhere else. It's pretty obvious that was the case. But now we're seeing it be even more aggressive to where like they want this property everywhere. They're like, Microsoft will pay good money to have it on Game Pass. If we get it on Game Pass, it'll make more people aware of it, which is, which is kind of smart when you think about it because... Putting a game like MLB The Show on Xbox for the first time uh, ever in the franchise's history is, you know, really cool and exciting, but how many people are really going to know that, you know, without just the help of marketing? I mean, you assume, you know, baseball fans are going to watch baseball games and MLB The Show gets a really, really heavy marketing push um, this time every year. So obviously, if you're a baseball fan and you watch baseball, you will inevitably see ads for this game, which will include the Xbox logo. So yes, people will know that. Um, but this, I think is their way of saying like, how do we like just kind of kickstart two audiences? Like, yes, this franchise is available on Xbox for the first time and we want you all to know it. It's like, give it to them for free, ostensibly, right? You have game pass, you get this game, boom. And also games like MLB, the show sports titles in general nowadays, a lot of their money comes from in-app purchases. So I think the idea is, you know, let's, let's get the Xbox audience hooked on MLB The Show, let them know, you know, maybe you've never played MLB The Show before because you're an Xbox gamer, you love baseball, this franchise has never been on this platform, we want you to know immediately, fuck RBI Baseball, fuck any other brand of baseball game you've ever seen on Xbox, MLB The Show is where it's at, we'll give it to you for free if you have Game Pass, try it out, you won't go back, and and you won't because MLB The Show is objectively the best baseball game out there, and so from the perspective of Xbox, it's like massive win, huge get for them, Really awesome that they kind of they didn't have, they didn't have to do anything for forever Microsoft or Xbox rather has had this issue of like they don't have a baseball game Sony does and it's really sucked for the longest time and then just kind of all in the in the span of like two years it's all just kind of fallen into place for Xbox where it's like okay now they do have a baseball game because the MLB wants it on Xbox they want it on Game Pass they kind of did all the legwork for Xbox they just had to sit there and look pretty the whole time so. This is a really massive get for for Xbox. I think the other side of this story is what a massive blow this is to PlayStation because now PlayStation owns the studio. PlayStation funds the development of the game. 
They'd pay the MLB the license to use the game. And and don't get me wrong, like, you know, traditionally the way it works is like new MLB game comes out. For every copy you sell on PlayStation, Sony gets like a hundred percent of the profits and then cuts MLB a check for licensing, right? So it's like Sony makes a shit ton of money off this game. It is their game. They own it. It sells very, very, very well. They still make money off of it. And then and then you also think like even with the franchise or even, yeah, even with the game being on Xbox, Sony still profits. Like this game's going to be more profitable than ever before. Because again, now that's on Xbox, someone buys the game on Xbox. Sony gets 70% of the money. Microsoft gets 30% for selling the game on their storefront. It's still a win-win for Sony, you know? So it's not like boohoo, poor Sony, because they make the money on the game no matter where it's sold. But again, it's like Sony's business model is we have a single piece of gaming hardware. We make games specifically for this box. You buy the box, you buy the games. That's how we make our money. Xbox is different. It's Microsoft. Remember, they have fuck you God, like bigger than God money. We we already went over this to, in today's episode. Like Microsoft can do whatever the fuck they want. They don't need to make money off Halo Infinite for Xbox to be successful because fuck you, they'll buy your mind share if you, if you don't like what they're doing. You know, it's like they're, they're Microsoft. So for Xbox, this is totally different because... If something like this happened to them, it wouldn't matter as much because Xbox is diverse. Xbox is about Game Pass and PC and Xbox and and uh, cloud gaming and all these other things. It's it's all different pieces of the puzzle that make up the Xbox brand, make up the Xbox model, right? Like profit model. And so for for PlayStation, this is like a double fuck you in a, in a sense because now it's like okay, they just launched the PS5. Which is incredibly in high, which is in, in incredibly high demand. No one can get their fucking hands on it. But the people who do have it are like, where are the fucking games? There's no games on this. You look at a console like Xbox Series X, and it's like kind of a similar boat. Of course, it's sold out. Everyone wants it. Where are the games? But here's the thing: is you got Xbox. It's like it doesn't matter that Xbox Series X didn't launch with the killer app Halo. Would that have helped? Of course. But like with Xbox Series X, it's like. Too bad the big exclusive games aren't here yet, but at least in the meantime, I've got Game Pass with all these games on it. My old games look and run better thanks to backwards compatibility and auto HDR and frame rate boosting and just the most powerful console of all time having so much uh, software and, and, and power to try and up-res older titles and make them look and run better than ever before. Xbox Series X gives you so many reasons to use and love the box, despite the fact that it's kind of lacking on like new first-party content. PlayStation 5 does not have that, because it has piss-poor backwards compatibility, no boost to old games whatsoever, the business model is not Game Pass, it is just new game comes out, you buy that fucking game. So if you're on PlayStation right now and you got a PS5, you're just like, okay, I got the PS5, um... It can play PS4 games, but they don't look or run any better. Um, it can't play PS1, 2, or 3 games because fuck me, right? Um, okay, well, uh, you know, at least we're getting big exclusive games. Uh, they're on the way, but they're not here yet. So we'll, we'll just wait on that. And of course, when it comes out, to pay $70 for each one of them. And uh, oh, well, look at this. We're getting a baseball game. It's like, yeah, well, the baseball game, <laughs> you can go buy that for 70 bucks and enjoy it on your PS4. Uh, over here on Xbox, it's going to be free with Game Pass, uh, and it's probably going to look and run better because Series X. So it's like, this is... Microsoft didn't do shit, and it's like they robbed PlayStation of an exclusive game. And I don't say this to be like, PlayStation dumb, Xbox good, but like, 
this is just a really funny situation how it's like it reminds me of that spongebob episode where like they get lost in the woods and spongebob and patrick just like sit down and the magic conch tells them everything's going to be okay and then like the airplane just drops the picnic and all the food down from the sky and they just sit there and everything works out it's kind of like that that joke a little bit because microsoft's just sitting here like we don't have games. We don't have fucking. Uh, ba- we don't have a baseball game. We don't have access to this really po- popular franchise that we'd love to have on our platform. They just sit there and do nothing, and then just fucking best baseball game of all time falls into the lap. Available through Game Pass falls into the lap. A better proposition than if you buy it on PlayStation, even though PlayStation owns the studio that makes it and funded the fucking development of the game, falls into Xbox's lap. It all works out for them, and I think that's. Just kind of one of that is one of the most mind blowing stories. Like if you go if three years ago you told me, oh yeah, in uh, in three years um, MLB the Show will be on Xbox and it'll be free for Game Pass subscribers and it'll be seventy dollars on PlayStation and uh, it will be better. You'll be better off playing that new first party Sony game on your Xbox console. I'd be like. Uh, that's that's about that's about as intelligible of a statement as being like, oh yeah, in, in three years, um, you'll play Halo Three on your Nintendo Switch. Like that, it sounds basically like that level of stupidity to me. So the fact that here we are in 2021 saying this story, reporting on this story of all things, I'm just beyond me. It's it is mind blowing, and it it really does up the hype level a lot because I think at this point, not only should baseball fans be Xbox fans who love baseball should not only they be really excited about all this, but now I think you've got people who are just genuinely curious about what a weird story this is and what a weird happenstance all this shit turned out to be that you probably have people like, I'm not going to, I'm not saying you're going to make big MLB, the show fans out of people who don't like baseball, but now all of a sudden you got people who probably wouldn't ever really pay attention to MLB, the show who are probably going to be like, you know what? Let, let me check that game out. Let me just go ahead and download that off Game Pass because what a fucking weird story. This game is caught up. Kind of like how like Six Days in Fallujah, how like stupid websites like Kotaku are, are bitching so much about fake controversy that they've probably drawn so many eyes to this game that would have otherwise never thought of or played this game to begin with. Kind of similarly in that vein, I think like all of this weird wackiness of what happened here is going to just draw a lot of people who normally wouldn't play a game like MLB the show to just be like, yeah, fuck it. I'll, I'll download it and give it a try. Now MLB the show is incredibly like realistic and sim like. So if you don't like baseball, you're probably not going to enjoy MLB the show, but at the very least, I think it's going to draw a lot of attention and eyes to not only this game, which is already immensely popular, but more specifically to this game on the competitors platform. Sony must be, there's, there's no way in hell Sony is anything less than just fucking pissed off as all hell. There's no way. If you're Sony, you were so pissed about this. Uh, happy in the one hand of like, yeah, you're gonna make a shit ton of money off this game, sure. But oh my god, this is a bad look for play. Because now, if you think about it, on PlayStation, what do you got? You got Returnal, which is coming out this month, which I think looks really good. I, I want to play it, but that's not a true like triple A game. That is like a double A second party game. Uh, exclusive, but you know, they just got odd world, but that's kind of smaller. But before that they had nothing. They had Spider-Man miles Morales, which was also on PS4. Um, they had dark souls, which is a remake of dark souls, which is a game that's already so nerdily specific to a 
to people who like playing hard games. So it turns off a lot of other gamers immediately. It's like PlayStation, I mean, and they'll get better. Of course, you know, Ratchet and Clank's on its way and they're, they got a new God of War and a new horizon, all that shit in development. PlayStation will be just fine, but rather for the time being for this early launch period to like first six to 12 months of PS five, it's rough. Like I feel, I genuinely feel bad. If you were someone who's like, I like to play on PlayStation. I bought a PS. I was lucky enough to get a PS five. Super happy to be here. Like, it fucking sucks to be you right now because PS5 is just objectively a shittier proposition in every single sense compared to Xbox Series X. And again, remember, PlayStation was incredibly successful last generation for a reason, and they'll continue to be extremely successful this generation anyway. Uh, PlayStation basically has Apple brand recognition where it's like they can be god-awful to you and you're you're still going to love them anyway, you know, whereas Microsoft has got, like, Microsoft recognition, which is like they can be incredibly good to you and you're still going to give them a hard time because they got to they got to really make it up to you and really prove themselves. So it's not like I'm not trying to say PlayStation's in a shitty spot permanently here or they're fucked. But like this temporary scenario they're in is really interesting to see because like I said this long before the Series X even came out and I'll stand by it today. The Xbox Series X is going to be a significant, the, the Xbox Series generation, whatever this generation is, whether it's Series S, Series X, the, whatever else comes out around it, whatever the Xbox One X equivalent is of the Series X, this generation is going to be a much, much better generation for, for Xbox than the Xbox One generation was but it is still not going to come close to beating the PlayStation 5 in terms of lifetime sales, in terms of engagement, and in just general interest. Xbox, I don't think, can compete with PlayStation in terms of the traditional which box sells more units. Can Xbox be bigger than PlayStation in terms of once you combine PC with console with cloud and Game Pass subscription numbers? Sure, I'm not denying any of that, but if we're just talking about Xbox hardware sales compared to PlayStation hardware sales, I still think PlayStation is going to win this generation. It's going to be closer than it was last time, but it's still easily a win for PlayStation. But that doesn't change the fact that for now, from console launch until sometime this fall, it really sucks to be like a PlayStation fan with a PS5 waiting for something good to happen because... We're over here on Series X, like, yeah, 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 we'll take all the Yakuza games, and oh, what's this, Halo 3 is suddenly, like, a brand new game again, we got new maps on it, and everything has a field of view slider and 120 FPS, okay, take that, oh, and take that, and uh, oh, what, what's this, all the old Xbox games and Xbox 360 games are on cloud, are on cloud streaming now, okay, we'll take that as well, and it's just this never-ending stream of, like, we're making everything better, and it's better, and this is free, and that's better, and remember that? That's back, and that's better, and that's good. And it's like everything on Xbox is that constantly, and we got great games coming on the way, and yeah, maybe we don't have like Halo Infinite and Perfect Dark and Fable out right now, but you got things like Outriders and MLB The Show, which are pretty good games, and you don't got to pay $70 a pop for them. They just, they're just they just there because Game Pass. It is incredibly enticing to be the guy that got your hands on a Series X more so than it is to be the guy who got your hands on PS5 right now. That's, that's, I think that's what stories like this, stories like Outriders coming to Game Pass, stories like, oh, we're just, you know, this, the, the, the console can just automatically boost the frame rate of old games. It's like stories like this continuously compound the story of like, it's real good to be an Xbox owner right now. Not even in a console wars way of thinking, but just in like a sense of like, you, the consumer, are getting so much value out of this console right now, and the games haven't even come yet. Like the, the main reason you're buying a series X is because eventually 
you want to see Halo Infinite running on the most powerful console ever made, right? Eventually, you want to see the next Forza running on the most powerful console ever conceived by mankind. But we haven't even gotten there yet, and you've already received $500 worth of amazing incentives and reasons to own this console, in my opinion, at least. So I think that's pretty fucking cool. I think it's really cool. And and I think I think to a larger extent, Microsoft deserves more credit for this, and I, and I need to give them more credit for this because I was a little more critical leading up to the Series X launch about this very thing, which is it was a little like unsexy and not fun to be like, oh, well, you know, um, their whole thing is like no more generations and like as long as the hardware can kind of support the vision of the game, there's no reason why they can't put a new game on older Xbox hardware also doesn't need to be exclusive to the series X, you know, with them talking about things like halo infinite coming to Xbox one and stuff like that. And it's like, that's all really good. Honestly, it's great for the consumer. It's great for the market, but it's also like really kind of disappointing for that whole, like, Oh, you, you want those exclusive experiences to get you pumped about the new console. That was kind of a thing I was weary of. And and I, and I criticized Microsoft to an extent uh, about these things leading up to the series X launch. But I was totally wrong about it, and Microsoft was totally right. This is one of those things where, like, these, like, visionary techie people, they read the tea leaves, and they knew where the industry was heading. headed. They knew that at this point, you know, it's not like they're jumped from, like, Xbox original to Xbox 360, where it's, like, out with the old, in with the new. It's, like, we've reached a point in gaming where... We don't want to throw out the old, forget the old, and adopt the new. We want to bring the past with us. We want the back to the backlog to be sustainable and things like th- things like that. Like we we still want to play Destiny Two. Like de- we need Destiny Two to look and run better on our new consoles because just because you have a new box coming out doesn't mean we no longer want to play these games as a service types games or like we don't want to go back and play the older entries in this franchise. We've reached a point gaming has matured to an extent where I think. Even more casual gamers are more cognizant of the backlog and the history behind gaming. Gaming has enough history to it now where it's like, you know, if you want to go play Jade Empire on the Xbox original, it's it's getting to be an old game. It's not like in the Xbox 360 days when that was just one generation behind. Like, that's now a three... That, that game is now three generations back. You know, it's like, that's kind of an obscure game to get your hands on. And I think Microsoft understands that we've reached the point in in gaming or video games has reached that level of maturity now where like even more casual gamers are going to be cognizant of these things and they're going to want access to the old and they're going to want the old to look and run as we remember them running and not like pieces of shit you know you go back and play a game like super mario 64 on an n64 that game looks and runs like shit you play a game like super mario 64 on a nintendo switch it plays it looks like shit but it it feels and looks a lot better than the nintendo 64 and, and why the hell did I use Nintendo as an example for that? I could have used Xbox, for example. You know, go play Halo Combat Evolved on your Xbox original on a CRT TV and tell me that it looks and feels as it did in 2001. It doesn't. Now go play Halo Combat Evolved on your Xbox Series X with FOV slider and 120 FPS and HDR support on a 4K TV and tell me how it feels. It feels how you remember it playing. And that's really important. And Microsoft gets that. But I, I don't know. I just, I, I, this was, this was a story about MLB, the show coming to Game Pass. But I, I think this is just like, this is just the latest in a long line of like, damn, this is, 
despite the fact that like, what a big missed opportunity that they didn't get Halo out in time for the Series X, you know? It's so sad that we keep seeing the Taco Bell ads and shit like that for like Halo Infinite because clearly that game was, you go to the, go to Target and go into the toy aisle and you see the Halo Infinite action figures and Mega Bloks toys because the game was supposed to be out by now. It sucks that they missed it. But I think even despite that, they still came out on top despite the odds and 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 some of it was microsoft was just they just had the right they made the right choices they were in the right they made the right choices and they knew what they were doing but another part of it is they just kind of were at the right place right time and got lucky honestly i, I don't know it's just exciting as an xbox fan to be like hey it's working out for them because at this point in the Xbox one cycle, you know, when we were five, six months into the lifespan of the Xbox one, it was not looking like this, this time into the Xbox one's lifestyle cycle. We were like, all right, we got rise son of Rome. We got Titanfall. We got connect sport adventures or whatever. Um, we get, do we still got to pay for this connect thing? Can we lose the connect and get maybe a hundred dollars chopped off the price tag or something? Remember connect got, they started selling Xbox without connect. I think like, around seven or nine months into the Xbox One's life cycle. Like Xbox One was not in a great place at this point in its lifespan. Xbox Series X, despite the pandemic and the the one year delay of Halo Infinite, is in a much better place. And that's man, that's exciting. And I don't know. It's just they keep it's like you fucking get a Sunday, they put a cherry on top, you're like, I'm good. And they're like, ah, we forgot the caramel sauce and the sea salt and the fucking second cherry and the how oh, you like sprinkles and they just keep putting more shit on top of the Sunday and it's it's getting better man we're all getting diabetes because Xbox is too sweet all right that's it let's 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 be done with that story let's let's move on to the next one baby it's kind of actually a slow news week so we don't really have that much more to talk about anyway so I, I can indulge shut up and let me but our next one here you guys remember e3 well, I wish we didn't because it kind of sucks but here it is it's back again Windows Central reports e3 2021 will run from June 12th to June 15th. Several major partners have already committed to the to be part of E3 2021, including Nintendo, Xbox, Capcom, Konami, Ubisoft, Take-Two Interactive, Warner Bros. Games, and Coke Media, uh, who are, of course, the people who own THQ Nordic and the like. Stanley Pierre-Lewis, president and CEO of the ESA, spoke about the event online, saying, quote, For more than two decades, E3 has been the premier venue to showcase uh, the best that the video game industry has to offer while unveiling, while uniting the world through games, we're evolving this year's E3 uh, into more of an inclusive event, but but we'll still look to excite the fans with major reveals and inside opportunities that make the blah, 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 blah. E3's going digital. That's the story. It's taking place from June 12th to the 15th, and it's going digital. And what are some big notable things here? Well, first of all, Bethesda's not going to be there. And why? Well, because they're owned by Xbox now. So Bethesda shows up at Xbox's showcase. If you like Bethesda game showcases at E3, sorry, they're gone. They're, they're lumped up with Xbox now. To me, that's more exciting because I think Bethesda need to stop doing showcases. There was only one or two of them that were ever even any good. So that's going to be part of Xbox. So that's one thing to note. Also, Sony's not going to be there again. So that's that's not surprising. The weird thing is it says Nintendo's going to be there. So that's the part that gets me the most. I, I know this is an Xbox podcast, but I got to say, Nintendo was the first big player to leave E3. They did, well, not really. So they do the Nintendo Directs, but they associate it with E3. So I guess, you know, I guess that's what this means is that they're just going to do an E3 Nintendo Direct. So it's all digital anyway. So of course it's going to be a Nintendo Direct, but it's weird for them to be like, yeah, we got Nintendo, don't got Sony. Because usually it's like the one they definitely don't have is Nintendo. But 
whatever. That just that just means Nintendo Direct anyway. Yeah. So I I don't think all these brands that they or all these companies that they've mentioned here means that they have a showcase. For example, I think Nintendo will do an E3 Direct. I think Xbox will do some kind of showcase. I think Ubisoft will do some kind of showcase, but. They mentioned Capcom, Konami, Take-Two Interactive, Warner Bros., Coke Media. I don't think those companies are doing E3 showcases. I think there's going to be some kind of like summer games festival stream or like game awards type stream or E3 type stream where you're going to see announcements from some hosts involving a variety of games from these different publishers. So I don't think it's going to be like Konami has a very specific Konami event to show. You know, what else is interesting here is they don't mention Square Enix and Square Enix has been doing E3 presentations, you know, up until last year when E3 got canceled. So that's a notable one as well. Um, They don't have... Uh, Devolver Digital has been doing one lately. There's usually that PC game showcase, which isn't mentioned here. So obviously I'm sure a lot of this is still in development and subject to change, but there's a lot that they didn't mention here. And that's what I fixate on more so, but it's no, no surprise that Microsoft's going to be here. No surprise. We're going to see Xbox. Xbox has always famously been very involved in every type of these events. They love going to Gamescom, E3, even Tokyo Game Show where they have like no business being there. They they go to the Game Awards every year. So this is no surprise to see Xbox going to be here. I'm sure this is probably going to be their big event. Xbox seems to be the last of like the big players, really big players that seems to really still believe in E3, um, which I kind of like because I like to make fun of E3 a little bit because I think it's antiquated and I think it's kind of stupid, but also I'd be lying to you if I said I don't have like the warmest and fuzziest memories of just being really excited, sitting around the TV with my brothers, watching E3 as children, kind of losing our collective minds. It's like, oh my God, they're making a fucking Tomb Raider RTS game that isn't a real thing. For some reason, that was my example, but you know, just getting excited about E3, fun memories. So I like E3, but it is kind of a weird, like dated thing. Like Xbox doesn't need E3. They can do just fine without them. But I think if there's anything last year showed us with the pandemic and whatnot is it can be fun to have an E3 type event where it's like, hey, I know from June 12th to 15th, I'm going to get all the big game announcements from Nintendo, Xbox, Konami, Ubisoft, everyone. It's all going to be over these three days. These are the three days where I really need to be tuned in to the inner the internet to know what's going on in gaming. You know, what's, what's, what's the future look like for gaming. And that was nice to know, like, this is when to expect it. This is when to carve the free time out. This is when to pay attention. Last year was kind of annoying because without E3, it was a little bit of like, everyone was like, Oh, well, we're going to do our event here and they're going to do their event there. And it became this thing of like every single week. It was like, all right, this week, uh, Capcom's going to do one next week. Sony's going to do one next week. Fucking they don't even, EA's going to do one, but just about sports games or some shit like that. And then you ended up watching all these like 45 minute dig- digital presentations that were way too long in the tooth. And these publishers were like, oh, it's so cool. We got all the eyes on us. But it's like, nah, man, people are fucking bored. No one wants to watch this shit. So it is nice to have that umbrella, that umbrella of E3 to kind of encapsulate all the big players, all the big news, all the showcases all in one event, because it kind of makes it more exciting and and you know, monumental, whatever, momentous, whatever. But yeah, E3's come back. It's going to be digital only. Surprise, surprise. Now, our next story kind of goes in tandem with this a little bit because it's about digital showcases. Uh, Not so much because it's about E3, but this one I have less to say about. We'll get into it. Windows Central reports that according to actually Mary Jo Foley from ZDNet, Microsoft may be uh, having some kind of some kind of gaming related event in May. So 
Microsoft has already announced uh, their build dates for 2021, um, which is Microsoft's event. You know, it's usually a little more about like a, it's usually a little more insider, like developer kind of conference they do about more general like PC and tech industry stuff. It's not usually gaming related, um, but they've announced their dates for this year, which are going to take place from May 25th to 27th. But as part of these events, uh, Mary Jo Foley reports that Microsoft is actually planning a range of smaller what's next type of virtual events, digital presentations, which will include features specifically tailored around gaming. So they're going to have a sp- apparently a specific, a specific what's next for gaming kind of panel, probably slated for sometime in late May. And this is separate from their GameStack event they're supposed to do sometime this month in April. So this is supposed to be supplemental to kind of the main Microsoft uh, presentation that they're going to do during build. Um, so nothing to get super excited about. And it is most important to, to note, since this is a gaming-related podcast, that this is not meant to be a like let's talk about games kind of gaming event this is more so to be like let's talk about technology and tools and infrastructure and things like that that we use in the game space so it is microsoft's event about gaming related tech things and not so much about video games so not let's show the consumers halo infinite it's more like let's you know developers and hardware engineers talk about uh, advancements and things advancements and things like that happening in in the tech world that relate to gaming so probably really dry boring stuff that most of us won't pay attention to and we probably won't really get any news out of it but it's important to note nonetheless that's apparently happening and i just wanted to put it out there and then our final wrap-up story of the week guys comes from xbox wire we've got a list of games coming soon to Xbox Game Pass as well as games leaving Game Pass. So let's get into this. We've got some really exciting entries here. So coming soon on April 8th, which is already passed or is the day that this podcast goes live. So as of now, um, Grand Theft Auto V has come back to Game Pass. You might remember it was there about a year ago. Uh, now it's back on Game Pass. It's on It's on console and cloud this time so you can play it on your android device as well this is a big get for them to have this one back because remember grand theft auto 5 is still constantly charting on npd constantly selling people are still constantly playing gta online so this is still a big get for them so even though people like myself don't care about this and you if you're a gamer you likely have played this game already so you don't care you probably own this but this is still a pretty decent get for a game pass remember lately they've been getting shit like gta 5 outriders day and date mlb the show which is a playstation game you know so game pass looking real sexy next on april 8th zombie army 4 dead war comes to console pc and cloud um i'm excited for that zombie army is a fun game they zombie army trilogy used to be on game pass um so now we got zombie army 4 so at least we'll have something from that franchise that one's only about a year old if that um, so that I'll definitely have to check that out. Uh, also, something to keep in mind: Zombie Army Four is one of the PS Plus games this year over on PlayStation or this month over on PlayStation. So interesting. It seems like the publisher shopped that game around and was like, "Okay, PlayStation, you want it? Okay, it's it's a PlayStation Plus game. Xbox, you want it? Okay, we can get into Game Pass." So interesting thing to note there uh disneyland adventures comes to cloud on april 8th it's already on console uh nhl 21 comes to console on april 12th through ea play on april 15th rain on your parade comes to console pc and cloud that's an id at xbox game and then on april 15th we got another id at xbox game uh pathway coming to pc 
now. So some really good ones, particularly Grand Theft Auto V and Zombie Army Trilogy. But leaving Game Pass soon, on April 15th, we have a handful. Uh, leaving console and PC, we're going to lose Deliver Us to the Moon, uh, uh, Gato Robot, or no, Gato Roboto, uh, and Wargroove. All three of those are leaving April 15th. I've, I've heard Wargroove is a really good game. Never played it. Uh, April 16th, we're losing a handful of games through EA Play, and they are <laughs> all on console. Madden NFL 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, and Madden NFL 2025, as well as NHL 18 and NHL 19. So that is it for all the Game Pass things coming and going. Definitely check out Zombie Army Trilogy if you like Left 4 Dead-esque kind of zombie games. Uh, and that's going to do it for all of our main news stories. But we're not done yet because now it's time for the important enough news stories. Stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussion. So first off, we'll blast through these because we're running a little long. Uh, but IGN reports that Turn 10, the developers behind the Forza Motorsport series, have announced that players will soon be able to get their hands on time with the next Forza Motorsport game, which is, you know, as we know, supposed to be a Forza motorsport service more than a single entry in the franchise provided that there are more um all you gotta do is be part of the forza feedback panel uh, creative director of forza chris saki says quote we will soon be able to share our share to our people in our forza panel uh they will actually be able to get hands-on time as part of the new forza motorsport game they the story continues on saying that forza feedback panel is a community which developer turn 10 uh works to gather important data on players uh and to see what they're looking for in the new game. The panel has sent surveys to complete and are asked to join discussions around the development of the next game uh, by allowing people on the panel to play part of the next for- to play part of the next Forza. Turn 10 will be able to gain further feedback. Uh, so Isaki notes that if you want to do if you want to be a part of this, all you got to do is sign up for the panel, and then you will be considered uh, to get early access to the new Forza Motorsport game, which is in development. I assume we will get a lot of information about this game. Um, at whatever the next big Xbox event is, probably E3. So that is really exciting, especially considering it's been too long since we've seen Forza, which is normally, of course, an annualized franchise. The next one here, I, I'm not going to read this. I'm just going to explain. Guys, if you're on Twitter, you'll know that last week, Twitter was doing this weird, like, uh, battle of the brands thing. <laughs> they were basically like, oh, we're going we're gonna to pick from really, like, funny, edgy, community-engaged corporate Twitter accounts and kind of do like right like one-offs like a, a bracket championship and like whoever wins blah 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 or we're gonna see which one's the most popular brand basically they were like you know brands like fucking Arby's which is like notoriously snarky on Twitter and shit like that they're just like let's get all these like corporate brands that try to be all like hip and engage with the community and do a face-off and see who wins and it basically came down to Skittles versus Xbox and there's a reason why I'm bringing this up but basically Skittles up the ante and said guys it's just us versus Xbox in the finals if you guys vote Skittles and we win as the best Twitter marketing brand or whatever um we will bring back the green or lime flavored Skittle um, for you to have. And that got people really excited. So Aaron Greenberg of Xbox and the Xbox team were like, okay, let's up the ante. If we can beat Skittles, if we can be the number one winner here, we promise we'll take that Xbox Series X mini fridge that, you know, was kind of a meme and turn it into an actual legitimate thing that you can purchase, whether it be a new item or a limited time thing or however they want to distribute it. But they're like, we'll make it a real thing if you guys win. And what happened actually was really, really close. Skittles got 49.5% of the vote. Xbox won with 50.5% of the vote. So Xbox won, which means 
the Xbox Series X mini fridge is going to be a real thing that gets made. Aaron Greenberg confirmed it himself. This is not an April Fool's joke. This actually happened. So, on one hand, I think that's cool because I would love an Xbox Series X mini fridge. But on the other hand, I fucking hate this Twitter era of like, like big corporations get these snarky, obnoxious, you know, accounts run by teens that just try to like make funny memes and shit like that all day. It drives me nuts. Like, I'll always prefer the more like faceless corporation over the uh, fun trying to be hit brand. Like honestly, I, I'll take Nintendo or, or PlayStation Twitter over Xbox Twitter any day. Cause I'm, it, it's, it's not funny. It's just, it, it's so annoying with the brands. Goddamn. But whatever people like it, it's fine. I guess whatever. Um, so I just want to mention that cause guys, we're getting Xbox series X mini fridges. I think that's pretty fucking cool. Uh, next up, uh, 343 Industries has uh, launched season six of Halo Master Chief Collection, which is out now. Uh, the season is named Raven uh, after the ODST Fire Team Raven from the arcade game released in 2018, which you can find at Dave and Buster's, among other places. Uh, lots of new Halo 3 cosmetics and things like that are in there, so check out the new season for all the new unlocks and skins and such like that. Pretty cool thing to, to theme the new season after, I think. Next, GamesIndustry.biz reports that Microsoft have announced the additional touch. Uh, the addition of touch control options on uh, new titles for X Cloud or Xbox Cloud Gaming. Over 50 games can now be played from Android phones, including Sea of Thieves, Gears 5, Hellblade, Celeste, Hello Neighbor, Ukulele, and Dead Cells. The platform holder first introduced touch controls with Minecraft Dungeons last September, but is quickly expanding from there. Next, IGN reports that unfortunately, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga has been delayed from spring 2021 and will now be released sometime in the future, although TT Games promises they'll provide an update soon rather sooner rather than later, but we don't have a date as of yet. And finally, IGN reports that Shark RPG Maneater is breaching the surface at, at last with the reveal of new DLC titled Truth Quest, which is planned for release sometime this summer. Guys, that's going to do it for all of our news this week. With that out of the way, because let's be honest, we're here for the McPizza information, not for the Xbox news. But with that out of the way, let's jump in to the closing segments. We've got Xbox Wire's new games of the new game releases of the week. This week, it's a uh, modest eight new games coming to the platform. So let's be grateful for that. Uh, and we will follow our tradition of saying the title of the game and judging what it is solely based off a screenshot and a title and nothing more. So we've got breathe edge coming out on april 6th which is already out breathe edge is about basically people who pull down the mask and in public and just start mouth breathing all over you uh we call those breathe edgers because they think they're being edgy for breathing all over you but in fact they're just being ass wipes we got lost words beyond the page april 6th it's out now it's one of those indie looking games with trolls and shit we got uh, Lux Slinger, which looks like some cultural appropriation, Native American 8-bit game. It looks like they're trying to just... Uh, Cozy Grove comes out April 8th. It looks like someone drew the game instead of designing art assets. What the Dub comes out April 8th. It's out now, the day this podcast goes live, and actually it looks really cool. There's some people sitting in a theater, and they're watching a black and white movie, and the subtitles read Missing Audio, so I, I'm excited to see what that... Maybe that, maybe that's fun. I don't know. Um... Raven Sword Shadowlands comes out April 9th. It looks like Elder Scrolls if it had no budget and was made in 1997. Skyland Heart of the Mountain comes out April 9th. And there's this girl who looks like a vampire slayer, but she's got silver bangs. And there's like a steampunk uh, a balloon thing in the background. And there it looks like there's some uh, in-app purchases available as well. So even if the game's not fun, at least you can spend some money. And then 
Yoko Yuki, Dr. Rat's Revenge. Cute name, dumb game. That's going to do it for all of our new game releases of the week. You guys, Games of Gold, reminder, we have a shitty lineup of games this month. Vikings, Wolves, and Midgar, who cares? You can get that all month long. Truck Racing Championship? Oh, man, we're almost there. It's available April 16th to May 15th. Can't wait. Now, Dark Void, it's available now until the 15th. Make sure you download that shit. I've always wanted to try that game, actually. And Hard Corpse Uprising, which is basically just a Contra game, is available from April 16th to the 30th, so download that when it's available. Or don't. It's up to you. But guys, with that said, we're out of content. We're running long this week. I hope you liked the podcast. I hope you're on your computers right now uh, looking up the Universal Orlando Resort and booking your vacations to the Cabana Bay uh, because they've got the pizza. Disney sure as hell doesn't. I don't know I don't know where else you're going to find this good resort pizza, but it ain't going to be at Disney. So might as well book your trip to the Universal Orlando Resort. If you have any questions about booking your stay, about vacation planning, anything like that, be sure to reach out to me on Twitter at, at SecondBestRock. More than happy to help you plan the perfect vacation for you and your family this summer, uh, whether it be the Walt Disney World Resort, the Orla- Universal Orlando Resort, Disney Cruise Line, SeaWorld Orlando, or just any adventure here in the Central Florida area, you let me know. I'll help you book the perfect vacation to fit your dreams. This episode is sponsored by our uh, travel uh, our, our, uh, travel agency, um, uh, Dollar Shave Club, and, uh, and it's sponsored by Sleep Apnea, because only Sleep Apnea has the power to unpower your dreams, because you can't go to sleep, so you can't dream. All right, bye.
love. <laughs>